So back in, uh, man, it was about, about 09, I remember um, I, uh, I worked for, for Walgreens. I was in management with them, and I was, thought I was just doing so good. I was a young man, um, and I had just a lot of things going on in my life that was really unhealthy. Um, one of those was I thought that I needed to like, drink a fifth a day and take Xanax bars, and so it, was, it, it landed me in a lot of trouble, as you can kind of imagine. I lost my job, and I ended up spending a summer... Um, digging ditches and burying phone line um, for AT&T kind of as a subcontractor. It's like one of the worst things that you can do, I swear. Um, I actually like pickaxed holes out in Holbert, Oklahoma through all the sandstone, stuff like that. Awful, awful job. I remember coming up on this one job though and I knock on the door, we knock. We, we've got to do this drop. We're, we're contractors. We get paid pride per job. It's very important that we do this or we drove out there for nothing and we get no money. And so we can hear the people inside, really sketchy neighborhood. Um, they don't want to answer the door. I don't know why, but we can hear them. We can see them. And it's like, and finally we just like kind of yell through the window, like, we're, we're, we're doing the phone line for your internet. Like, you, you want us here. We want to do that. And so we, we, we think we're good. We, we go in the backyard, and I'm working, and I hear the back door open, and I'm like, finally, somebody's going to come out and greet us. Um, lo and behold, um, they had this pit bull on this leash, and then this person, I, can't, I don't know what the deal was. They, they unleashed this dog who does not appear to be my friend um, <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And this dog begins running at me, and I begin to bolt across their yard. I mean, I could just, I swear it was nipping right at my rear end. And, and I dive on this trampoline, like barrel roll, and this dog's like up under the thing, like trying to get me. It was, freaked me out, freaked me out. Um, the other guy I'm working with distracts it long enough for me um, to like do the jump over the fence. You guys remember cops back in the 90s? Totally kind of thing I did. Um, it was kind of like the up and over, one swift motion to safety. Beautiful thing. Um, but I know, right? I'm still here. Um, it, was, uh, it, was just, uh, it was just incredible. Um, but, but I say all that to say, um, you know, the dog, it, it was a powerful thing, um, right? Um, dogs are beautiful creatures. I love them. Um, and they're, they're, they, they can be so powerful. And, and when they first opened the door, the, the dog was unable to, to really to pursue me, unable to utilize its strength. It was restrained. They had it on a leash, right? It, it, was, it was held back. It couldn't, couldn't reach its full potential. It couldn't reach its full speed. It couldn't reach me. I mean, that was the best part um, until they, they unleashed it. And the moment they unleashed it, they freed it and they allowed it in all of its glory, to run me down with everything that it had, right? Well, in our lives, we go through life chained up just like that dog, withheld, held back by, by sin in our past, right? Things, unhealthy habits we've developed, um, lies from the enemy, just brutal untruths, strongholds that we've allowed to be developed, and, and we want so badly to, to pursue life, like that dog wanted so badly to rip into me, but it couldn't there for a moment, right? And we so badly want to maybe pursue a better marriage. Like the desire's there, but the ability's not. Something's missing. Maybe we want to be good parents. The desire's there. I remember just as a crappy, crappy father that I was, I, I wanted to love my children right but I just didn't know how, right? I was, I was withheld. I was held back there. Uh, maybe it's with sobriety. I, for the longest time, there was that desire to be free from addiction, to, to just live a different life. And, and people would even ask me, like, I remember my kids asked me one time, like, my son, my oldest son, Dad, Dad why do you drink? 
I couldn't even answer it. You know, I, there, was no, there was no words. I didn't understand it. I just knew that I was held back and I was, I was unable to, to be what he needed me to be. Something was missing. And it could be any number of things in our lives. And, and what I want to talk to you about tonight is, is unleashing that potential. I, I want you to know that, that no matter who you are, what you're going through, what you've been through, that God's desire is not for us to fail at all of those things. God desires something better for our marriage, for our family. God desires you to be free from addiction and to be free from, from that pain. He, he wants us to be unleashed and he wants us to reach our full potential. And one of the biggest hurdles oftentimes, oftentimes is acknowledging that there's something there that's holding us back. Acknowledging that we have a, a problem truly. I, I remember again in my addiction that I convinced myself that a lot of the problems that were there weren't really problems. I still made money. I mean, I, I provided for my children. This can't be the issue. There, there's times in my marriage with my wife when you know we're reenacting Jerry Springer episodes that, that I convince myself that, that maybe she's the problem, right? You guys ever do that? Like, it's, it's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. The, the fact that I'm operating in unforgiveness here, that I'm angry, that I'm cussing, none of that's really my fault. It's theirs. Or when I explode on my children and I'm being that, that worthless dad again in those moments, which I still do from time to time. Um, you guys pray for me. I got six kids, right? I just, I can't seem to make it through a week without cussing lately. And it's just, but I mean, you guys probably get it, right? But you want to do better and then you convince it. If they would just listen, if they would just do that. No, if we would just surrender to God and, and, and acknowledge that, that maybe the problem is not them at all. Maybe the problem is not our spouse or any of these things. Maybe the problem is that we're failing in our relationship with God. We're failing to acknowledge um, that, that we have issues to work on. I love Romans 3.23. 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You guys familiar with it? And, and the reason I love it the reason I love it is because it reminds me. Every time, I remind it, every time I read it, it reminds me of something very powerful. And it's not the fact that I'm a sinner and that I mess up. It's the fact that we all do. And that makes me feel better because when I'm doing something and I mess up, rather than just having this guilt, like I'm the only one, like rather than convincing myself I'm the only one that maybe cussed at my kids in the past week, I can break it take a pretty good stab that if anyone in here has children in the age range of mine, you probably did too. And, and we're all embarrassed by it, right? And, and we all need to do better. It's just not a pass. We shouldn't do it, but that's the reality, right? And, and if I had to guess, everyone married in here has fought sometime in the last month, right? I mean, and so when I read that, for we all fall short of God's glory standards. It's like, we all, we all sin. We, we all mess up. We all have things to work on. That, that's the beauty of it. And when I acknowledge that truth, I can acknowledge that I have issues, right? If I think I'm the only one, I wanna hide it. If I think I'm the only one that's struggling and messing up, I wanna keep it a secret. I don't want you to know because I'll be embarrassed because I'll deal with guilt. I'll feel like I'm not worthy. But when I read that with that type of clarity, that the thing that it's revealing is that every single one of us that, that breathes today fails somewhere. And, and with that truth, I can boldly look at my shortcomings and my failures and begin to work on them. Later on in Romans, um, it's a few chapters ahead. Um, chapter six, um, I love chapter six of Romans. I, I encourage people all the time to go read it because it really reveals the freedom that we can have in this life to sin, um, to the things that hold us back. 
but Romans 6, 16, um, and it says this. It says, don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And so later on, what he begins to reveal, you know, after saying, hey, we're all sinners, we all fall short, he says, but... There, there's a choice that, that as you um, begin to pursue Jesus, as you're no longer absent from Christ in your life, you begin to have this choice. You can choose to be a sin or a slave to sin, right? You can, you can choose to continue to surrender to that and struggle in it day in and day out or, or recognize that you struggle to begin with, recognize your need for Jesus. That, that's what that is. When Romans 3.23 and through that, it reveals our need for Jesus. We all sin, so we all need Christ it, to parent, to, to be a spouse, um, to manage finances, to go to work. Um, I don't know if you've been to Walmart lately. You need like Jesus to, to go there for sure, right? I, the other day, man, I go, I go to get a TV. I go to get a TV and I know people that I love very dearly work at Walmart. Some of you are in this room. I love you all. I love you all. But I, I need this TV and, and I'm not supposed to lift things. Ryan, um, I have an injury, and, and I, I need this TV for, for something that we're doing, and it's, it's not even for me, and it's like, hey, can somebody help get this in the cart for me? And this particular individual was unable to do so, and I knew that, but I knew that he had this incredible invention called a radio right next to him, which he could use to then call assistance to our location. And, and so I'm talking to him, right, and, and uh, he's like, I can't help you. I said, clearly, like, I know that you can't help me, but can you get somebody to help me? I, I can't lift it. Like, my hand's broken. I've got a broken rib. Um, I have an angry wife at home because I don't listen to the doctor as it is. I need somebody. And so he's like, maybe you can go back to electronics and they can help you. And I'm at the front of the store. Electronics is in the back. And I'm like, nobody up front can lift anything? And I just, I said, fine, I'll go back to electronics. And it was like a repeat of the same conversation. I need help. I can't help you. Do you get a paycheck here? I didn't understand it. And then it just really, re I was really revealed this, that I can choose, even in that moment, I can choose to be a slave to that sin of anger, right? Which is what I wanted to do. I wanted to jump over the counter and beat that guy with his own arm. But, but the Holy Spirit said no. And so I withheld all of that inside of me. And, and we managed to get out into the parking lot. And I do want to say, I managed through the strength of the Holy Spirit to apologize to that young man. Um, I know. I can tell you that almost never happens if my wife's not there to tell me I need to do so. Um, that's what God uses both of them, leverages them both on me. Hey, you can't do that, honey. But, um, but Romans 6, 16, again, says, don't you realize you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God and pursue righteous living, right? To experience that, to walk in that. We, we have those moments, and, and we convince ourselves sometimes that, that we're unable, that the ability to act right is not there. It is. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christian, God's spirit's inside of you and, and he deals with you in such a way, gives you the strength to do so. It continues and it says, thank God, once you were a slave to sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we've given you. Now you are free, say free. Free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. And so, here, it's revealed to us that that notion that we're not capable of change is a lie. It's a lie. That, that outside of the church, outside of Christ, it's absolutely true. 
that people who haven't experienced Christ, and you may be in here, and maybe you've been struggling for, for years, generations, and you just, you just don't know how to get free of it, and it's because you've been doing it without Jesus. I struggled in addiction for almost 20 years. But with him, change is possible. Freedom is possible. God's word makes it very clear that I, I just, I, you can't, I can't, now you are free. That's not what anybody's telling you, right? That, that you're a victim, that you're, you're broken, genetics, all of these things. The author of life, I'm pretty sure, can overcome DNA and whatever, you know, your family has done, anything else. I know I've experienced it and we can be free. It says, now... You are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. And so what I want you to know is that the Holy Spirit works to unleash us from the sin, like to break us free. That, that's what's holding us back. It's like a weight. It's like the person holding that dog that was holding it back. We can be unleashed from it and we can reach our full potential, not on our own. We have to recognize that, that we have issue there, right? Every single one of us do, but every single one of us have the same opportunity. To, to surrender to Jesus, to be empowered by his Holy Spirit, to walk in freedom and be unleashed to recognize our full potential. I don't, I don't stand up here on my own strength, trust me. It's, it's not enough, it's insufficient. I didn't get free from addiction because of who I am, right? It's because of who he is. That, that every good thing about my life, my marriage, my children, they're all a testament to God. And the more you get to know me, the more you know that's true. I mean, you, you, just a few conversations, you can see how broken I still am. Many of you, you see me up here, this is my best. Like one hour a week, I can behave kind of, right? <laughs> Outside of that, it's a mess. It's a mess. But, but we all need that. We all need to move forward the same way. And through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, you can be unleashed to who you were called to be. I'm not saying you're going to be wealthy. I'm not saying you're going to be without problems, that, that everything's going to be perfect. I'm saying it's going to be so much better than you ever thought it could be. And you may still struggle. You may still be sick. You may still be sad. You may be all of that angry, but it's so much better. I, I've said it before. I, I will take one day living this life over 10,000 the way I used to live. Like that, This is so much better. And so... What I want to teach you tonight from, I want to teach from Philippians. And so Romans was written by the Apostle Paul. Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul too. And so each of these are letters, right? Romans was a letter um, to churches in Rome. And Philippians was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. I, I love Paul. I messed my mic up there. I love Paul because Paul was a guy who, he missed it, like right off the bat. Jesus was presented to him and he totally just bombed it, right? He was killing Christians rather than surrendering to Christ. And I like that because I'm from the Bible Belt and I kind of have a similar story, right? We all heard of the church, heard of Jesus, met Christians, um, and it became white noise. And if you're anything like me, I bullied people that were in the church. I mean, I, I persecuted them. And so I like that, that parallel that I have with Paul. And, and so when he writes Philippians, um, he's actually in a Roman prison. And, and he doesn't know he could be facing death. And he, he accepts that reality, but he still operates in joy. He operates in integrity. And he still pursues God's call on his life. And so in Philippians, Philippians 2, 12 through 13, I want to start there. It says, dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you. He's not with them anymore. He's chained to the wall in a Roman prison. But you followed it when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard 
to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, that first part, work hard to show the results of your salvation. I want to let you know, no amount of good deeds frees you. No amount of good deeds makes you right, saves you. That's not what Paul's saying there. Like, you, you can't work your way into heaven. You can't work your way into a better life. It, it's, a, it's a fallacy. It's something we fall into. But as a result of that, I'm a better person today, not because I was a better person, but because God did a work in me. And as a result of what God did in me, I, I surrendered to him and I wanted to be better, right? That that's the result. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. And he says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire, say the desire, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What Paul is pointing to right here is that that moment of salvation, God begins to work in you. And it's a process. If you've ever worked to, to do anything, nothing worth doing is instant. I've just never seen it. I mean, it, it's, it's just not. And, and I know my story personally that, you know, I, I surrendered my life at 16 in military school. And the moment I got out, I started blowing all my money on cocaine and doing drugs again. And that's not the result of that, right? But you know what? There was a desire there to change. And it took me 14 years to fully realize it. But it was there little by little. And we've got to hopefully, hopefully you all will listen to that voice a little better than I did. Recognize it, lean into it because that's what God's doing. He's giving you the desire. I was so discontent from, the mo from that moment on and I didn't even understand why. Like I tried so hard to go back to the old life and do the old things for 14 years. I kept pushing that way before I finally recognized and surrendered. God's trying to do something here. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And I love that other part, the power. Like you, he gives you the power to do what pleases him. You, the ability to, to work it out, to, to pursue him, to, to pursue sobriety, to deal with anger, to deal with unforgiveness, the things that hold you back. God empowers you towards change. God, God empowers you to get up off your butt and to do something about your circumstance, your life, your addiction, whatever it is, that, that we're not meant to sit there and just wait on God to do everything. It, it's, it's a union, like God's in us, working in us, working through us, giving us desire, giving us power. He's calling us to action. You, you've got to answer the call. You, you've got to recognize it, hear it. And for 14 years, I tried to ignore it. The moment, the moment I became sensitive to it, the moment I opened my ears and my heart to God, everything changed. And one of the sad parts is that could have happened 14 years before. But I hardened my heart to it. I ignored it. And I kept trying to push past him rather than being sensitive to it and realizing what he was doing. But, but each of us are experiencing the same thing. Again, if you've, if you've surrendered to him, if you've tried to pursue him, God's spirit's in you right now. He's doing this work. He's, he, he's trying, and it's up to us to work with him. God's a gentleman. As much as, especially us men sometimes, just need the crap knocked out of us, God doesn't work that way. He, he works with us, through us. And so, again, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. <clears throat> I love this next part. 
Um, Because I believe these next few verses, Paul begins to really just uh, to lay out some truths to pursuing change in our lives. And so right in this next verse, he says this in verse 14, do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. And so point number one tonight is this, suck it up and do what it takes. Um, stop, Stop complaining about your circumstances in your life. Listen, you're not the only one going through what you go through. And, and that's hard to say because here's what I know. There's people in this room, you, you are going through things I don't understand. I, I don't. And, and some of you are going through situations that are much harder than things I've experienced. But it's, it's not about now. It's not about this life. And, and, and some of you may be angry with me, but, but what it's about is pleasing God and, and doing, I mean, if we back it up, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So who's it about, us or God? It's about God. So even if your whole world is falling apart and you can't fix it, maybe God won't fix that particular thing, but he gives you the desire to do what pleases him. Suck it up and do what it takes to pursue him because a day close to God is better than 10,000 days away from him. And again, I don't wanna be insensitive, But part of me wants you to just really hear that because I've encountered so many people and they have excuse after excuse of why they can't get past something. I had it too. I I was raped from eight till 11. And that's, that's worse than what some people experience, not nearly as bad as what others did. But what it gave me was an excuse. This was the reason I can't do what I need to do. This is the reason I'm an addict. This is the reason I drink. This is the reason I'm angry. And until I sucked it up, it was a horrible thing that happened. But until I sucked it up and began to move forward, I couldn't change the past. I couldn't change the cards that I was dealt. I couldn't do anything about that. I could do something about the next day. I could live that day differently. I could stop letting what happened and what I, was, what I experienced, I could stop letting it rob me from, from the joy that I could experience even in the middle of it. Even in the middle of that mess. And, and the same is true for you. But, but you've, gotta, you've gotta suck it up. I mean, I say it to my kids, you know, they get hurt and it's just like, the you know, first question is, are you bleeding? And they say no. And the second question is, Did you shut up, suck it up. Um, I'm sure none of you parent like me, um, <laughs> but why? You can't hurt the pain. I mean, there's nothing, there's no amount of coddling that's gonna make it any better. You gotta walk it off, right? I don't know what's happened to this younger generation. I mean, it's like, I seen this meme once. It's like, I died once and my mom told me to walk it off and... Um, but, and, and I know like as adults, we look at the younger generation and we, we kind of make fun of them because they can't seem to navigate anything. I, I see many of us that are, you know, middle-aged and things like that, that, that are living the same way. That, that we're not walking anything off, that we're just complaining, complaining about who's in office, complaining about finances, complaining about the economy, and, and just making all sorts of excuses why we can't do anything. And we've got we've to suck it up. Dude, go back to God's word. Just do everything without complaining and arguing. And so if you want to change, you have to suck it up and do what it takes. He continues in verse 15. It says, so no one can criticize you. That's kind of the end of that. Um, he says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Again, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. So Paul's laying this out, right? That as if you wanna pursue change, you wanna pursue something different, 
You know, he starts with do everything without complaining, without arguing, right? Work in unity, like just, um, Paul's in prison writing this. Keep that in mind. He, he wrote that where he's facing execution, chained in horrible conditions. And then he says, live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked people. And so if you want, if you want to change, you have to do this. Point number two is embrace what you've been given, that when you received God, when you've made that commitment, you, you were adopted into God's family. You, you become a son and a daughter of, of the Most High, right? You, you hear that, and, and I heard it sound, right? I mean, it becomes white noise or it sounds super churchy, but it doesn't mean it's not significant. I mean, God's word reveals that we're adopted into his family, that, that we're set apart. And I love that. Be, be like a bright, shining light in a world of crooked and perverse people, that, like, that's to be set apart. We're, we're called to live differently. We embrace what's been given to us, right? That, that inheritance, we have to embrace it. And part of embracing it is, is realizing we have to set things of the world down and set them aside. As I started coming into the church and living differently, or trying to live differently, I, I only chose Sunday to live differently. Again, I'm sure none of you have ever done that, but I was like, Sunday's the holy day. I'm not gonna drink until at least 8 p.m. Um, I'm not gonna go to the bar on a Sunday because they were closed in Rogers County. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, but Monday, Monday was a new day, right? I could cuss, I could carry on, I could pursue women, get smashed, do all of those things. Um, but, you know, I'm a Christian now, so Sunday's off limits, right? And I remember, I remember I'm, I had a sign business and I had a shop out in Vertigris um, that, that God had blessed me with and I'm doing work and, and this guy comes and I'm, I'm decaling um, his truck and I'm doing, it was late. He, he couldn't get there till after the work day, right? He's like, I got to use this truck. Can I come by? I said, yeah, just come by. We'll do this after hours. Well, the problem was if it was past six, I needed to get lit. So um, I'm just, I'm just hammering beers. And, and in my mind, like I'm, I'm, I'm a good Christian. I go to church. I serve. I do these things. I'm going to invite this guy to church, right? And he's like, you go to church? Like he just looks at me like, like you're, you're, you're like drunk right now working on my car. You've been cussing like a sailor. I mean, none of these things resembled what, what I thought to be true, right? Because I wasn't living as a light. I was lit. I wasn't a light, right? Um, you got to live as a light in a dark, crooked, perverse. You, you got to live differently, right? So if you're going to pursue change, guess what? It's got to be Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the days, all the relationships, all the places you go. You got to embrace what you've been given. Like, wear it. I, 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 like, I like the fact that, that I do things differently every day. And I'll be honest, I'm glad that I don't have that double life anymore. Man, that's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. I, just, I, I am who I am. Right? If I'm up on the stage, if I'm having lunch with you, if I'm going to the lake, if I leave town, and go somewhere else where none of you are at and none of you see me, I can tell you I live life the exact same way. It's not always pretty, but it's, it's not fake. It's real. It's who I am, right? And, and I, I realize that I'm a sinner. I'm pursuing Christ. I'm trying to live differently. I'm embracing it. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing it. I'm trying. And, and, and just that's what we've got to do. If we want to be different, we've got to be different. If you want to change, you have to change. You've got to embrace it and pursue it. And so again, point number two, again, is embrace what you've been given. Embrace what you've been given. 
I love this. I put it in my notes because I love it so much. Uh, my friend Don Long, uh, she, she said this a while back, and it's like, we don't live that way no more. We don't, we don't live that way anymore, that, that if we become Christ followers, that something should take place in our lives where we set things down and choose a different path every day. No matter if, if I'm there or Rick's there or anyone's there, you, it's between you and God, right? Embrace what you've been given. And verse 16, he says, hold firmly. Say hold firmly. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. And so what Paul's talking about here is in Acts, it's like his second missionary journey. I believe it's in Acts 16. I probably should have read ahead and studied that, but crazy week. Um, Paul planted this church in Philippi. These believers are believers because Paul went there and taught them and showed them. And so what he's talking about in particular, he says, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. He's talking about his work with them um, in particular. But that first part, hold firmly to the word of life. That that's what he's encouraging them with. That in the face of persecution, which the church of Philippi experienced, right? People... Guess what? People not liking Christians, it's not a new thing. We have it really good here, but it's been going on since, since Christ started the church. It's not, and so they were experiencing that. And, and they had a choice to make, right? Do, do you live as everyone else is living here in Philippi? Or do I hold firmly to what Paul's taught about God, to, to the word of life? There's a choice. And they had the same choice, that to embrace the change, to embrace the new life, or to embrace what everyone else is doing. You have that choice. And maybe, maybe, man, maybe you've, you've talked to your wife and you, you guys are, you've, you've settled on working, working it out and, and being better. And you're going to go to work tomorrow and, and somebody's going to start showing you inappropriate things or, or talking about women, maybe trashing your wife or your husband or whatever that situation may be. And you've got a choice, right? To continue to live and hold firmly to, to the word of life or to live as everyone else is living, to do what everyone else is doing. It's not always easy. Maybe it's your addiction. You're doing real good, right? But there's that thing this weekend with work, all the execs or all your coworkers or whoever it may be, all your friends, they're gonna be drinking, they're gonna be doing this. And it's okay if it's one time because it's, it's for this. It'll, it'll help. It'll help get you a promotion. It'll, it'll help make friends with the boss. It'll, it'll help in whatever it is. You know, we all convince ourselves of just nonsense. But you've gotta make the choice. I can do this or I can do that. And I get it. I get it, man. I, I proudly wear like the label in particular of teetotaler. I don't believe that everyone has to abstain from alcohol. I believe that I do. And, and there's, for me personally, there's those moments that, that I'm sitting there. Everyone else can do these things. I can't do them. And it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. But I embrace it. And, and I've had to learn to like wear that with pride. Not to look down at anyone around me but to just know inside of me that I'm doing what God wants me to do, even if no one else understands, that that's important. It's important to me, not, not to impact them negatively or make them feel bad or any of those things, but because I know this is what God would have me to do, to, to hold firmly to the word of life. And so again, point number three was this, be persistent in your faith. Be persistent. If you want to pursue change, if you want to experience change, be persistent in it. Hold on to it. Don't go back and forth. Just maintain the course. Stay the course. Don't lose sight of what God's called you to do. You're going to face 
difficult situations. The road will be rough from time to time. You may drive the whole thing off into the ditch next week. Get back on, start walking, do whatever you need to do. Call somebody for a lift, I don't care, but maintain it, pursue it. The only people that fail are those who give up. I mean, again, I told you from the beginning, I gave my life to Christ at 16 in a military school, and it wasn't until 30 years old that I even slightly arrived at the destination he had for me. I'm still not there, but I was way off course for 14 more years. But persistently pursuing has gotten me so much closer, and it'll keep getting me there. Day in and daytime, and God's word tells us that, that Christ will complete the work he started at the day of his return, right? We, we all, if we maintain our walk and our faith, we get to look forward to that, that, that one day, resurrection, body and all, God's gonna complete that. We'll be whole in him, everything renewed and refreshed. And so point number three, again, is be persistent in your faith. Um, he finishes it up, Philippians 2, 17 through 18. He says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. And he's saying that again because he faces the real, the real, uh, I mean, he could die. He could die there. And he says, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. I, I love that comparison. I mean, our, our faithful service is a sacrifice to God, right? He gives us the desire and the power to do what's right, pleasing him. And it's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice, it's an offering to God because of what he's done. God, God saves us, right, from eternal damnation. And, and I don't know about you, but I used to think that was all that this was about. But the reality is this, that the whole purpose was so that we could do what pleases God today, tomorrow, now, right? It's, it's about so much more. It's about living and, and walking out our lives presently, differently. And so, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like an offering to God, just like your faithful service. And I want all of you to know, um, I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy as well. And so to recap tonight, point number one was this, suck it up, do what it takes. I get, I, I get that that many of you have very difficult situations. Again, I know them. It's a hard thing to, to come up here and say because I'm not in your shoes. But I know that's God's desire for each of us. It's not to, to let the world crush us and to rob us of what he has for us, but it's to keep moving forward. So suck it up. Do what it takes to please God, to run your race well, right? To get at the end, at the finish line and say, God, no, even though I went through this, I faced this, all of these things, I never lost sight of you. I never lost faith in you. Number two, embrace what you've been given. God, God's given us an inheritance. He's given us a gift. Embrace it, pursue it, right? Allow it just to, to overwhelm and overtake you. God's given you a new identity. Don't lose sight of that. You're a new creation, a new creature. Like the old is gone. I mean, that, that's what we're, we're talking about here. Embrace it. Number three, be persistent in your faith. The only people who fail are those who give up. The only people who fail are those who give up. Keep pushing, keep pursuing, keep driving until 
until you, until you can't anymore. So our, our action steps tonight, you know, everything we do around here, we want you to be called to action, right? I mean, that's kind of like the whole thing, the whole point, number one, right? Suck it up, do what it takes, <laughs> call to action. Um, the first is this, write down what you feel your main struggles currently are and how they negatively impact your life. Acknowledge them. Stop operating in, in shame and stop convincing yourself you're the only person going through what you're going through. There, there's so many people that share, that share your same burden, that, that understand, that have gone through it. One of the beautiful parts of the age we live in, right, that with technology is, I mean, you can be encouraged by so many people that have walked in your shoes. Number two, identify three choices that you can make today that will begin to change your life for the better. Again, I don't know your situation. God does. God's not indifferent. He's not indifferent to where you're at. He's not indifferent to what is going on. Begin to, begin to identify things that you can do to live differently today. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till tomorrow. Today. Begin pursuing that today. And everything we talked about tonight, it, it all centers off Jesus, right? And you may be in here tonight and maybe you're here because we're gonna sign a piece of paper for you here in a little bit so you can take it to the court and say, I've been a good boy, good girl, all of that. I get it. I've been there, been in those, those same shoes. And maybe you just don't, you don't buy into any of this and, and you just don't, you don't believe, you don't think it's for you. I want you to know there's a room full of people here who at one point thought, thought the same thing, me included. I, I thought, can I just be real transparent? I thought all of this was crap. I, I did. And, and until I did it, until I pursued it, until I surrendered. And, and you have the same option tonight. The, the choice is yours. That, that if you want to experience change, it starts by surrendering to God, by, by having a real relationship with him, by saying, God, I can't save myself, right? I get that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up, but I can't do it. I, I'm drowning. I need your help. And, and that's where it begins. And we just believe that he can take care of it that he can rescue us, that he can lift us up out of that dark place. And then we surrender to him. We make him Lord of our life. And that's where we say, God, I don't wanna do what I wanna do anymore. I wanna live for you. I wanna pursue the life that you have for me. And if that's you tonight, if you're in here, if you're in here and you need to surrender for the very first time here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people up front and they wanna pray with you and for you and lead you to the greatest moment of your life, the moment that, that you accept Jesus as your savior. And maybe you're in here and you've done that before. You've gotten off track. Happens to the best of us. Again, don't, don't convince yourself that you're all alone, that you're the only one that's ever blowing it. And so if you're in here tonight and you need to recommit, you've messed up and you need, you need to surrender all over again, we're here for you. Don't, don't operate in guilt. Don't operate in shame. The same offer that we extended to them is extended to you. In just a moment, we're gonna have some people up at the front and they would love to pray with you and for you so you can come back home today, so you can experience God's grace. That's, that's that undeserved mercy. You can experience his forgiveness. And then maybe you're in here and there's just something, there's a part of your life that God's been just dealing with throughout this entire message, maybe this week. Maybe just right now in this moment, something comes to mind and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I need to set that down. I need to deal with that. That's not healthy. That's, I'm not all in here. There, there's something, there's anything. 
I wanna encourage you in just a moment to come down front and grab one of our white chips. And I want you to know, I get it, it's, it's a piece of plastic. Is there anything special about it? Not at all. There's something special about the condition of our hearts though, when we step out of our seats and we come down as an act of faith, knowing that God will deal with it. And so when you operate that way, that's what, it's a change of heart that'll take place. That moment of surrender to his Holy Spirit. And so if you need to set something down tonight, I wanna encourage you to come get one of our white chips off of this table. And then lastly, maybe you're in here and you just need prayer. You need somebody to journey with you, to pray with you, to, to seek God with you. We wanna be those people. This is a house of prayer. We're for you. Even if it's your first time here, I want you to know we're for you. We love you. We would love to pray with you. And so for any of those things tonight, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to get a chip, or just to get prayer, I wanna encourage you to step out of your seats here in just a moment and come down front. And if everybody would, if you would stand to your feet as we close in worship.